I saw Philip say something earlier, but I don't see him back here anymore. He went to the bathroom. Okay. Well, I'll continue on then if he's he's over there. Well, good morning. Good morning. So um, we uh, concluded our series over God with us that we did the last couple um, last couple Sundays. We did a four week four part series uh, called God with us. Detailing Emmanuel and what that meant from the book of Genesis and kind of combing through various places of the Old Testament and then finally ar- arriving in uh, the book of Luke is where we spent a lot of our time uh, those last two weeks. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of, in, in the same vein, continue a little bit of this, but we're just continuing on in the, in the book of Luke. And uh, the title of this message is called Growth uh, from Luke chapter 2. And I think this is really helpful because... A lot of times in the Christmas season, in the, the, the spirit of the holidays, we will go through the birth of Christ, and then after it's the birth of Christ, we are like, hey, okay, cool, now let's just move on and do something else that will just excite us and uh, motivate us here. But there's something in the conclusion of Luke chapter 2 that I think that is really valuable for us, especially as we migrate into a new year. I know there's a lot of people today looking to new, new Year's resolutions and trying to figure out what are some new rhythms that I may want to include after the holidays. I know especially when you look at the consumption of food and the different types of things that we get to eat and things like that. Uh, so, uh, there's a friend of mine, he was, uh, was starting a new habit of, of, of trying to figure out how he wanted to diet and the, the way that he wanted to uh, kind of curb his stomach. But then the Christmas season came around, he went, well, I'm going to take a break on this and then pick it back up and actually go into it in January. And so I think this is what we do a lot of times too in, uh, in our own personal life is that we, you know, we find these rhythms that we've been in. We maybe get a little lax towards the end of the year or during certain seasons or times in our life. And then we start to think about, okay, I need to start to recalibrate some of the things that I'm doing in life now too. And what does this look like for us? And so what I want to do is, is we concluded with the expression of Simeon from Luke chapter 2, and whenever Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, and, uh, and he prophesied over the, the process of what they would see the Messiah do. And so what I want to do is I want to pick up from Luke chapter 2, verse 41, and we'll, we'll read through the end of the chapter. And it says this, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. How many of you parents would not be very excited if your child was not only missing after a day's worth of travel, but then you go three days and have not found that child. Not super pumped about that process. <clears throat> and so they, saw, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? 
but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Now, there's something I want to bring up to you, and I did not put that in my notes, but I want to highlight this. A little bit before this passage, we see, actually, it's the, the, very, the very verse before verse th- uh, th- 41. He says this, um, I'll start in 39. You don't have to worry about putting this up here, John. This will be fast. Uh, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And then we find, we pick up at this place, where they went to Jerusalem for the Passover, as they do every single year. And again, Passover, this is a beautiful opportunity for the nation of Israel to come together to celebrate what the Lord had done. This is also a great history lesson for the entire family of what had happened throughout the nation of Israel. The, the great experiences that they were able to encounter, the things God had did that was wonderful. But also, in that process, they go through the bitterness of the season of their disobedience, of when they had to wander the wilderness for 40 years, when they disobeyed God, and when they walked into the process of, uh, of following different idols and the temple being ransacked. They go through this process of remembering what God had done and the history of their people in response. And so this was a great opportunity for them to do this. And so when Jesus was 12 years old, so, so we go from th- this, this passage of scripture, this, these two verses from verse 40 to 42, quite a bit of time has passed. Quite a bit of time. I mean, think of this, the, the amount of things that they had to do to, to fulfill the law and requirements for uh, Jesus to be circumcised and for their, their traditional rites and things like that that they would have to go through. After they fulfilled those things, It jumps from that moment, and then verse 40 provides you just a little bit of narrative between his his infancy and his 12-year-old boy self, saying that from that time, he grew and became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is a long period of time that passes. I mean, you're talking years and years and years, nearly a decade or more of time passing to ensure what was transpiring. And <laughs> there are some instances where we get to see a story and you get to kind of see it unfold. But I think we forget at times that there's quite a bit of process that happens between certain passages of Scripture. I mean, you look at the last book of the Old Testament and then you walk into Matthew and there were hundreds of years that passed by from one point to another. And so it's, it's easy for us to gloss over some of these things, but we need to remember that there are processes that different people have to go through in order to get to the next stage of the story that needs to be told. And so we see from the prophecies that were given that Jesus grew and became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. I'm repeating these things specifically for a reason, not because I'm forgetting where I'm at. And so the festival was over and his parents were returning home. And in their returning, they figure out 
oh man, we've been traveling for a day, and I don't see Jesus. <laughs> we lost not only our child, but we lost the Messiah. <laughs> God is surely going to smite us for this. It's got to be something's crazy. We lost the Messiah. And so looking around, frantically trying to figure out where the child's at. I remember being a, being a little kid, and we went to, uh, we went to Six Flags. Uh, we, we were living in Miami. We traveled up. Uh, we'd usually come here every year around the holiday season. And, you know, we'd hope to see snow or something like that. And, and then we'd visit Grandma Mac and some of the other family. We'd go see Uncle Jerry in Nashville. And then we would go up to St. Louis in the middle of that. And we'd go and have some fun, usually go to Six Flags, maybe go shopping or something like that. And, um, was it Six Flags? It was Disney, wasn't it, that Chelsea got? It was Six Flags, okay. That Chelsea got lost, yeah. Disney, okay, well, whatever. We were at an amusement park. And, uh, and in that process, um, we were hanging out, we were walking, and noticed that Chelsea was missing. Like, oh, man, the youngest of the crew, uh, she's not here. <laughs> and, of course, you know, whether you're in Six Flags or Disney, any one of those amusement parks, I mean, we just went to Silver Dollar City for, uh, for Christmas with the family. And during the parade, I mean, you're shoulder to shoulder with people. There's no get around anywhere. Like, you are stuck wherever you're at during that parade. It does not matter what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go, where you're at is where you're at. I remember locking eyes with another dad as we were going through, and he had a cart, and they had like a double-decker. Like, these guys, they had kids on kids on kids in different places. And he's trying to go the opposite direction, and we just look at each other in the middle of it. And he goes, never again. <laughs> he's trying to go upstairs with all this stuff, and he's like, there's no way I'm ever coming here again. This is bonkers nuts. And we just kind of gave each other the dad salute. Like, we're in here. I, I feel you. You feel me? This is, this is where we're at right now. And so you can imagine the, the, the type of environment that it is in, in either of those locations. And we're, we're walking through and notice, oh, crap, Chelsea's not here. <laughs> Where's she at? And then so we s spin around, start looking, looking, looking. Not too far behind us, she was hanging out at this one place that we were kind of looking at a ride, and she was stuck. Just, uh, there's a stranger standing there, like, trying to help. Where's your mom and dad? She's like, it's crazy. And so just a moment of panic that happened between watching my parents trying to figure out, oh, man, we lost the kid. And it didn't last for a very long time. Th this wasn't even like a 10-minute period. This was a, a, a very short amount of time that it took for us to get back and to find Chelsea. And so I can imagine from seeing some of those things and, uh, and even being a little kid looking around at like a grocery store and like you get caught just like staring at something and then your parents are still walking away. Like you look around and go, oh no. <laughs> Lyrica at times will be at the house and she'll be playing with something in one room and we'll be in there with her and then there's something else that we gotta go grab or go do or maybe we're cleaning while she's playing and then so we go to a different place and a lot more recently uh, we've started to hear her go uh, like maybe say something like, hey, can you show me, can mom dad and then she'll go oh no 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 and then you start hearing her, her feet running throughout the house and we're like babe i'm right we have not left the house we're here this is where we're, there's no problem like she's like oh i lost you and she's like i couldn't find you it's like oh my gosh we were right here it's okay but i can imagine when you look at this story how that process is where it's like, okay, we just traveled a full day, and our child's not here. And then now we're looking for three days. A little bit of concern and worry probably settling in. Like, at, uh, we have a very fi familiar environment, but at the same time, goodness gracious, like, this child is not here with us anymore. 
Now, he's also 12 years old at this point. He's not a four-year-old or anything like that. So the, the level of, of worriedness uh, probably was not as extreme as what you might expect for that. Uh, being a, a 12-year-old, you also are, are used to doing some type of labor. You've been in schools. You've been around. So, so I don't think that they were worried that he would not survive. I think it's just great to be able to figure out where your kid is. <laughs> and so as they travel back, they look, they look, they look, they look, and they go back to Jerusalem and find him in the temple. And he's in there and he's sharing. And people are amazed and astonished at the things that he communicated. Now, again, if, if we remember, again, looking back in Luke chapter 2, one of the prophecies that was said was that this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. This is very intriguing to me because he said, I had to be in my father's house. If you do a lot of study in different commentaries, especially around the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, the fact that Jesus said, our Father, at the very beginning of that, was a very, very new revelation for many people. Because they were not used to calling God Father. They were not used to calling Him Abba. They were not used to that intimate relationship in communication. They were used to, to referring to Him as, of course, Yahweh. The, the all-powerful God, almighty, great, supreme, uh, the great authority, all these things to where it's, you know, a heightened level of understanding of, of this is someone who is to be revered and, and taken, taken seriously. But there was not that intimate connection as one would share with a father in that same way. And so when Jesus said, I had to be in my father's house, our mom's teacher admits, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? They did not understand what he was saying to them because, of course, to many people, Joseph was his father. And they knew that, of course, Joseph and Mary knew that, you know, he was sent from above. But how, how does this correlate? They didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom in stature and in favor with God and man. It doesn't just say that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and then stopped there. It doesn't just say that he grew in wisdom and favor with man. It said he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, with both. And so what, what I wanted to focus on this morning 
is kind of the sandwich that we see here in this passage. From verse 40, the child grew and became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. To verse 52, and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. The interesting thing is if you look in the linguistic nature of, of verse 52, wisdom and stature are connected. Wisdom and stature, those are two, two things that are, that are correlated with one another. And then favor is separated after that. And wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Wisdom and stature and favor. I would like to propose that, that in this season, it's not just that we need to look for the most powerful things that the Lord is going to be unveiling in, in, our, in our purview. It's not just the things that we're going to notice within the culture, within the nation, within our communities, within these things. But there needs to be a, a position of growth that we have that allows us to grow in wisdom and stature. Because let me, let me tell you, if Jesus had to grow in, wi in, in wisdom and stature, pretty sure that there's a, a calling for us to also grow in wisdom and stature. And then also, in the process of growing in wisdom and stature, we will grow in favor with both God and man. And this, this does not come, I love that they set this, this passage up that, that mentioned that, that Jesus went with them and was obedient as well. He was obedient in the scriptures. He was obedient in the understanding of what it meant to, to live in a, in a household that, that is respectful and, and, and upholds the, the laws and natures of what's going on within that household as well. And he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. And so in the season, I, I, I would love to ask us the question, which is I'm asking myself this too, in what ways can we find that we can grow in wisdom and stature? Just like in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Where, where are the areas that I find myself most lacking in right now? How can I grow in, in the wisdom and the stature of the reality of who I'm called to be as a child of the Most High God? As as someone who is not so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good. And that I'm, I'm not so, so consistently looking at what's going on here on earth that I, I have no ear to what the Holy Spirit's actually speaking to me. We cannot be one-sided in the midst of this. He grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and with man. So what are some ways that we find that we are lacking with our relationship with the Lord? In wisdom. Do we hear the wisdom of the Holy Spirit when we're going through our day-to-day -day process? Is that causing us to grow in a stature as we apply that wisdom? Because it's not just having wisdom. Because wisdom alone is just the, is just the ability to, to, to perceive these things that are happening. And to know what decision needs to be made. Wisdom is not the application. You can see that someone is wise because of the things that they apply in their lives. But there's a lot of people who have great wisdom, but they're real big idiots when it comes to making decisions. Are we alive to that? 
come on, they don't, there, there are many times that we, we know what's right and we know what's wrong. But yet, even Paul says this too, right? Know what's right, we know, we know the difference between these, th- these things. But yet still, I can lean into the flesh at times and I can make the wrong decision. That decision was not very smart. It was not very wise. I knew the difference. But still did the wrong thing. And so in what ways can we grow in wisdom and stature with the Lord? Hearing his voice and then applying it to where then when people, when, when the Lord looks at me and he can see that, yes, this is someone who is living righteously. And there's, there's someone who's walking through these things in abundance. That there's people, this person, this man, this woman, they're, they're listening to my voice and they're responding to it in obedience. Come on, I've, I've been applying Psalm 23 a lot lately. In many different areas, I'm really thinking about choices that I'm making, decisions that I'm that I'm um, I'm going forth with, the the ways that I'm communicating with uh, with myself and and even with others, and the way that that I start to to think about myself. Is this something that that aligns with Scripture and with what the Lord says, or am I walking in an area of lack right now? And if I'm walking in an area of lack, then then where what is it that I have not given up to the Lord? What is it that I'm trying to hold on to too tightly in my own forming of my own identity? Who is my identity really firmly found in? Is it in, is it in the Lord? Or am I really looking at myself and, and giving myself a, a different standard? Maybe am I applying the standard of other people's or a perceived notion of other people's standard upon myself that is not in alignment with the word? These things are important. And then so whenever we, we align up with in wisdom and stature and favor with God, then we also see that we cannot neglect man at the same time either. That, that's actually walking against and moving away from the process that the Lord actually puts us through because to love the Lord is also to love people. See, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. So it, you cannot have one without the other. So we can't just grow in our relationship with the Lord and then start to deteriorate our relationship with man. We, we cannot do that. that. That is actually moving away from the wisdom of the Lord. Now there's wisdom in how we communicate with one another. There's absolutely that that needs to happen. And there are healthy boundaries that we need to be able to set within our relationships with man and being able to do that. That's very imperative. We cannot just let people bulldoze us in the way that we walk and we live our lives. We cannot just just let the weightiness of people's words so move us that that we then crumble at the very notion of somebody saying something about us because their words weigh heavier than the words of the Lord. We cannot walk in that way. However, we do need to be able to grow and have the ability to, to adapt within our relationships with man as well. And this will provide favor, especially when we can walk out the truth, and not just the truth, but the truth in love. Because the world is not really looking for people who can just agree with every single thing that they say. There's no way that we could ever do that with anybody. We also can't just be so argumentative because we know the truth or we, we have a feeling of knowing the truth to the position to where then we just push every single person away because our truth is the truth instead of talking about the one who is the truth. 
And so when we speak the truth, we actually have to speak the truth in love. That is actually truth. If we just speak facts, if it's just facts, but we have zero love attached to the facts, then we could actually use facts to harm other people, which then pulls us out of favor with man as well. And it pulls us out of favor with God. Because we're using those, those facts to diminish people, to make them feel inferior, and then to elevate your own self in a position of pridefulness. And so it's actually not truth. Facts can be true, but it is not the truth. And so Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. In 2024, what do you want to, what do you want to see the Lord do? What do you feel like he's actually leading into this next moment? And for, for a while, I, I can remember that as, a, as each year would come, it's like, okay, I need to just look and, and wonder what, with the great notion, the, the overall generality of what the Lord is going to do, I need to see where's the next move of the Lord happening. What, what's all, what all is happening? I would start to focus on all these different things like that. And I would neglect consistently the things that are going on in my own life so I can grow and I could just be sensitive to his voice everywhere that I walk. It becomes easy to chase after his presence or what you could perceive it to be his presence because you see that people are being affected in their in their community, in their believing body, and you could be excited for that, and you could even go and attend these different meetings, and you could be a part of these different things, which is amazing and wonderful, but then you leave that environment, go back home, and are still dealing with the same garbage in your life that you've been de dealing with from before. Live that reality many times over. Ah, I went to this thing, I feel completely transformed, it was so refreshing, I'm just so pumped, that's amazing. Now, I get back home, and I kind of, you know, ride that wave for a little bit longer. But sooner or later, that wave comes to the shore. And then what do I do? Yeah. Some people end up crashing and burning hard. And other people just kind of mundanely de-escalate with their lives. And then they go from moving really fast to moving really slow to being butt planted right there in the sand and not having a, a, another notion of what the heck is going on next. And then we search and seek, when is the next wave? Where is it? Is it at this beach? Do I need to go to another beach? I want one that was just like the one from before. Maybe if I stand in the same place and go to the same spot, I'll get that exact same wave. Maybe that'll be the thing that needs to happen. I just need to wait and wait and wait for this one wave to come back. This will be it. This will be the one. I went to the beach uh, a couple months ago with Danielle Lyrica and Danielle's side of the family for their family summer vacation. And it was a very different environment every single day that we were there. The first day, it was kind of rainy. So we went out, and it rained on us a little bit. There were some waves, but the water was kind of colder. 
the weather outside wasn't super warm because there was so much ca- cloud coverage, and and so it was it was a, it was a decent day. It was good. The next day, we got up, went outside, clear skies, not a cloud in sight. The water completely still. Walked out in that space. It's just this is a different beach. This is a completely different place. It was beautiful. I mean, I I could just lay there and I wouldn't even like move up. There wasn't even a, like a movement of the waves. It didn't seem like it was just super still all across. Gorgeous. I mean, the sun was there. We got, we got plenty of sun that day. It was awesome. Really fun. I mean, you could see the water super crystal clear. I mean, that we had uh, little stingrays that were, that were going through and you got to, you got to see them swimming around you. It's wild. <laughs> this is cool. Then the next day we get up and there's some waves. The, the water is still crystal clear. There's, there's not, not many clouds, maybe just a few clouds in the sky, but there were quite a few waves that came through this side. So now, okay, we got some, we got some nice waves. The weather's beautiful. The waves are moving. So we can like, you know, be like a little kid and jump into each one of the waves as they come by. This was awesome. Every single day that we were there, it was different. It was the same place. We seemingly went to the exact same spot when we stopped. We didn't go much further down. We got pretty much as we got off the pier or um, off the off the entryway. Um, we just went off to the right and bam, that's where we stayed. Every single time, we had pretty much the same spot. We were looking at the same exact places. We would go out into the water those days, same exact spot. But there was not one time that we could find a, a, a repeating day that we were there. Each of those days were enjoyable for various reasons. Being out in the water was a completely different experience every single time. But do you know what it was? Still the beach. It was still the beach. Does it make it any less the beach? Being out there the first day than it was to the second day? No, it's still the beach. What about the second day to the third day? Nope, it's still the beach. The thing that I could change in the middle of that is my perspective and the way that I viewed the beach. If I were just to be really, really bummed the entire time, the first day because it rained a little bit, then I would have wasted an entire day of being on the beach that we don't have here in Papa Bluff. The second day, if I would have been whining and complaining that there's no waves, guess what? I would have missed out on a beautiful day being at the beach. The third day, if I would have been really aggravated that it wasn't as calm and collected as the one before and I didn't see any stingrays that day like I did the one before then, then I would have missed out on a completely great day at the beach. Every single year, there are going to be different things that come and go. Every year, we're going to experience different things, different phases of our lives, different seasons that we have to go through. Sometimes it would be a different job that we would get. Sometimes maybe you would take a step out and want to experiment or try something new. Maybe it's that your kids are growing, and so now you're in a, a different type of, of, of time frame that you can dedicate or that you can't dedicate to certain things. Maybe it's the, the position to where it's like you, you feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Maybe you're adding something more to the schedule, and now you have more things that's compacting or compiling on. Maybe you're subtracting something else, and, and you're having to deal with the, the, the missing element that you may have thought that you had before. 
maybe you're growing in relationship or you're distancing in relationship with some people. And so that's causing a different type of experience that year. Every single year has something different that will come and that will present itself. It, year 2024 is not going to be 2023, and it wasn't 2022, and it wasn't 2021, and it wasn't 2020. <laughs> Dave said, thank God. <laughs> but here's the deal. Within every single thing that we encounter and we go through, what is going to be the launching point? The launching point that we start from. What's the foundation that we're laid on in the middle of that? Is it that my expectations are that it has to go exactly? Maybe, maybe you had an amazing 2023, and it was like the best year that you've had in a while, and you're like, this is incredible. I need the exact same thing in 2024. I'm just going to tell you it's probably not going to happen exactly the way 2023 was. It could still progressively get great, get better and better. That's awesome. But it cannot be 2023. Maybe last year was horrible. You just went through so many things that you're like, thank the Lord this year is going to be over. I'm ready to shoot off fireworks tonight once it strikes midnight just because that year is gone. Let me tell you, those problems that are here right now, today, it will be there tomorrow. It's not going to change. Just because a a calendar year moves over doesn't mean that that stuff is going to change. The thing that can change consistently is this growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. That's the thing that we can focus on and look at. Regardless of what happens, if, I, if I'm growing in wisdom and stature in the Lord, then I'm going to be willing to listen to every movement and motion that he desires us to make. I'm going to be able to see this for my own life, and I'm going to hear him, and I'm going to grow in different ways than I grew in 2023. I'm going to use the foundation of 2023 to continue to build on to what he wants to do in this next year, in my life. Because if I don't do that, then I'll remain stagnant, and I'll be sad that the beach didn't look the same as what it did yesterday. But I need to be excited and ready to experience what it is the Lord has called us for that day. And the crazy thing was that the beach change didn't just happen for me and, and Danielle's family. Every single person that came to the beach to vacation that week encountered the same thing that we did. The exact same thing. We were not unique in our experience. I think sometimes we we find ourselves a little bit too self-centric. I can do this even whenever I'm just looking at things that's happening to where I feel like this is uniquely just happening to me. Let me tell you, the political climate is not just happening to us. Okay? Things that are happening within your job are not just happening specifically to just you. There's a culture and an environment that you're set in. Your perspective may be different, but the same things are happening around you in that same place too. Popper Bluff is not unique in the way that we're experiencing different things happening. If you start to talk to enough people who are in different places, you'll start to find that there's a pretty common narrative of what people are encountering. And so we can't think of ourselves too highly to the position to where we start to diminish other people and their experiences and the things that they're also encountering. When we start to have empathy and, and, and 
and be able to see other people for the same things that you're encountering, then you start to level the playing field a lot more. And then we start to communicate all of our needs for the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. We then don't take an elevated position over others and then start to talk down to them as if we have all the answers to every single problem that they have. Because guess what? We have problems too. We have issues too. We have pride issues as well. There's two types of pride you typically see. One is the overt um, kind of narcissist that you would expect to see when you think of the word pride. That's the one that everybody thinks of most of the time. But there could be also the opposite expression of pride that you see to where everything is woe is me and then it causes people to consistently just look at you and you're just full of all these problems. Still, the emphasis is on you all the time because you're all the time the victim. And so we could take these positions a lot of times when we're looking into the next season, but I really want to hammer this down and show us that verse 40, the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. 52 is as Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is important. So it, it didn't just stop. I, I want you to remember this because this is, this is why I'm talking about this right here is that it didn't just stop in verse 40. It didn't just stop there. We could think, this is amazing, and the child grew and became strong, was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. That's, of course, why he was in the temple, and he was saying all these great things, and we don't even get to verse 52, because Jesus is just Jesus, and we understand that that's just who he was, right? John the Baptist leapt inside of his mom's belly whenever, uh, whenever the Mary and, uh, and Elizabeth were together, when they were both, both in their mom's bellies. Of course, this is expected of Jesus, because he's the Messiah. But moving from infant Jesus, it shows us that there is still growth that we can encounter and go through. That even after Jesus was astonishing people in the temple, it says that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We don't arrive in a place where we have it all figured out. I don't arrive in a place where I have all the knowledge about the scripture and I don't have to study anymore. I don't get to a place where now I'm just the, the, the smartest and the best dad or the best husband or anything like that. There's consistent growth that can happen within my relationships that I have with people. There's different ways that I need to be able to express myself that I have not expressed myself in yet. There's challenges that I overcame in 2023, praise the Lord. But there are new challenges that are coming up in 2024 that 2023 just prepared me for. And if I neglected to, to learn lessons in 2023, I'm going to encounter those same things in 2024. And it's going to be even more aggravating because I just feel like I'm getting beat down by the same thing over and over again. But it's because I have yet to learn the wisdom of the moment and listen to the Lord and grow in stature. And then grow in favor with the Lord in the middle of it because I can then follow his voice. God had had Moses and Aaron go and tell Pharaoh not to just stand and let my people go. That was not the ending of, of the phrase. It wasn't just, Pharaoh, let my people go. Hmm. That wasn't the phrase. 
Let my people go so that the clans can look and they still make it worship. There was a letting go for a purpose. There was a reasoning for freedom that they were supposed to go into. And they were fearful within the entire portion of them being set free. At every step, they had fear. You notice that? In that story, every single time something happened, they got set free, they got a bunch of gold and stuff like that given to them, they were sent out, and then they were terrified because they heard chariots behind them. God sent us into the wilderness so that we would be destroyed. That's it. That's the only reason why he sent us out here, so we could just die. You're not listening to anything that, that Moses and Aaron were saying? There's a purpose between what we're doing here. Oh, Moses has been up there for so long. That mountain, Sinai, oh my goodness. Mount Sinai's just, just gobbled him up. Surely he's gone forever. Let's make us a calf. That sounds great. We'll worship this idol. Awesome. Jesus was telling the disciples, hey, we're going to go into this boat and we're going to go across the sea because there's something we need to accomplish there. Awesome. We're going, a storm. We're going to die. Are we not listening? Are we not listening to what he's saying to us? Or are we too attentive to things that are going on around us? Are we too attentive looking for that same wave that we encountered the day before? Are we yearning for things that was a blessing in the season that it was given, but there's something new that we haven't experienced yet? I want to challenge us in that, in that way. I'm challenging myself. I cannot look backward and pray for the same to happen. I have to look forward and ask the Lord, what steps do I need to make right now so I can get to where you're calling me to go? I cannot look back into the days of, of Egypt and just say that we had at least a good meal while we were there. This manna stuff is getting on my nerves. The manna is a gift from heaven. But what is he leading you into? A land flowing with milk and honey. But we can't get the milk and honey if we yearn consistently for what was in our slavery. Let's stand. I want you to ask the Lord this today. Be sincere about it, and you don't even have to have this answered while we're here in, in service, but at least go through this process in your quiet time with him, maybe even while you're driving, and then try to write some things down. Lord, what are you saying to me for this year? What are ways that I need to grow in wisdom and stature? What are areas that I'm lacking in that has caused me not to find favor, either in your eyes or in man's eyes? And how can I rectify that?
ask yourself these questions and then have a good dialogue with the Lord. I, li I like to write things down as I'm going through thoughts. Maybe write down the question and I'll pray about it. And I'll start writing down what I feel in the middle of it. And sometimes it's just my, my own voice, my own thoughts. And then other times I can, I can almost feel like, like it's the Lord revealing things to my heart as I write things down as well too. And then the beautiful thing about writing those things down is that I can go back and I can read them again. And I can read them again and I can read them again. It's a great, a great practice that we get to walk into and we can, we can do. And so Lord, thank you just so much for the, for the opportunity to, to come together and to worship you with other people. Thank you that you gave us great, great examples in your word. Thank you that, that you even showed and was selective in the process of, of people canonizing scripture that, that the process of Jesus growing in stature and wisdom and stature and favor with man was, was kept in that place and it was implemented so that we know that we, we too can grow in wisdom, stature, and favor with you and with people. Thank you that it's not just seeking after you and, and, and neglecting other people and, and pushing other people to the side because all we want to do is just seek your face. Thank you that seeking your face is wonderful, but you also called us to live holy with one another, righteously with one another, and that you called us not just to factual evidence, but to truth, and truth that's, that liberates us and that liberates others. And the truth is not, is not just a, a written piece of paper, but it's, it's the living Christ. And so thank you that we don't just follow a book, but we follow Jesus. So thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. Reveal to our hearts the areas that we have not been, been as, as righteous. Reveal to us the areas in our, in our hearts that we have neglected. Reveal to us the times that, that we need to recalibrate our thinking. Reveal to us the areas that we're lacking. We want to honor you with our words, with our actions, and with our behavior. We want to honor you with our thoughts. And so, Lord, help us to, to walk through 2024 with grace and humility. Help us be aware of what's happening within our immediate sphere of influence. Help us be aware of what we can do right now that can move us forward into what you're calling us into in the future. Let us not be so consumed with with other things that, that we neglect our responsibilities for you. Let our hearts be transformed. Let our minds be purified. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, you guys have a fantastic rest of your last day of 2023. Happy New Year. We'll see you guys, some of you Wednesday, and the rest of you guys on next Sunday.
did. I was 